We will most likely look back at this time as such a harsh reality for what we should have done. And hopefully we don't walk away with too many regrets. We learn from our mistakes and actually execute the next time this comes up. The economy works in cycles and what we're seeing right now is devastating for some. And the harsh reality is that it's probably gonna get worse. So in this video, I wanna cover off things like consumer confidence, building approvals, as well as what people aren't spending on and the reality of what inflation really looks like for most people and how it could get worse, especially with the rental crisis. If you're interested, definitely keep watching. Hey guys, my name's Ravi and welcome back to Personal Finance with Ravi Sharma. If you're new here, smash that subscribe button because I talk about real estate, cryptocurrency and financial freedom. Now, if you are interested in following me with my daily updates and sharing some more posts, then definitely go follow me on Instagram. I'll leave a link in the description below or you can just search on Instagram, Personal Finance with Ravi. Make sure you go with the one that's verified with the blue tick because there are so many scammers. I will never DM you. So with that, let's continue. Consumer confidence came out this week and the ANZ Roy Morgan Consumer Confidence Index fell by 1.1 points to 76.2 this week, making the 13th consecutive week that the indicator has been below 80. So why is this such an important thing? Well, it's the longest such stretch since the index began being administered on a weekly basis in October 2008. We all know what happened during the GFC. What we can see is a systematic downtrend of consumer confidence and be sure to watch all the way through to the end because I'm gonna bring all of this together and make sense of it so we can best prepare for what happens in the next 18 months. What's really concerning about this is that this is the longest stretch where we've seen consumer confidence below 80 since the 1990-91 recession here in Australia. Let's just take a moment to realize how big that is. Now during the GFC and during even the pandemic lows, yes, there was a bit of volatility, but Australia was relatively okay when it came to consumer confidence. It sort of snapped back pretty quickly. And when we look back at those moments, there were such fantastic opportunities to pick up assets on the cheap and ride out inflation and all that capital growth and equity growth as well. So is this time different? Well, the reality is that with so much happening with interest rates increasing so quickly, quickly, we are now headed towards most likely a recession here in Australia. I believe they shouldn't have raised interest rates as much as they have, but they've also got to combat the battle of inflation. Now, inflation is probably going to be worse than if you had a recession because inflation is like a slow death. Whereas a recession sort of wipes everything out is fairly quickly and then we sort of move on, reset the system and continue moving higher. However, with inflation, it's sort of a slow drawn out process. Whereas with a recession, things could change literally overnight. Now, some people prefer to have a recession, you rip the bandaid off and you know we can reset the market, continue higher. Or, or some people prefer this slow drawn out process because it gives them time to sort of accumulate funds. If they're in a position where they've got assets, they can either liquidate some of those assets or they can prepare themselves in a more systematic way. Now I'm in the camp of rip the band-aid, sort out what the problem is and then get over it. But the reason we have such high inflation and for such a sustained period of time is because the governments went out during the pandemic and printed a bunch of money. That liquidity has to now be drawn out of the system, but it can't happen too quickly. Otherwise the whole system will implode. So it happens gradually. And what we're seeing now is with inflation being a little stickier, we could expect to see rates at this point for longer or even possibly going higher from here. Now you might be in the camp of saying, well, I don't mind if interest rates go up because I don't own property. And if the property market drops, I can actually go in and pick up properties on the cheap. But what happens is as interest rates go up, your servicing actually drops. So it doesn't really do too much to the low to medium income earners or the non-asset owners. Now, if you own assets and you have property like myself, our cash flow has just been smashed and it gets smashed every single month because we know interest rates are continuing to move higher. And that means short-term pain, but you've already established yourself with your property portfolio and you should have buffers in place. If your negative cash flow slightly, it doesn't really bother you. What you 
need to have is buffers in place as well as continue diversifying your income. I came out on this channel probably about two and a half years ago and I said, guys, stop everything you're doing. It's probably a worthwhile idea to go and try three or four different side hustles, diversify that income because one of those may produce an extra 10 or $20,000. That 10 or $20,000 would one, increase your servicing, but also it provides you a great buffer from your job as well as that negative cash flow you may incur with your property portfolio as well. Now, if you own just your own house, well, your cash flow has also been ripped apart because your interest rates have continued high. A lot of people fixed their loans a couple of years ago, and now they're starting to have to refinance their loans from two or 3% all the way up to five to 6%. And that's not gonna feel great for anybody. Now let's look at a couple of articles that really illustrate how harsh this reality is. The cost of living bites Gen Z's the most at the checkout. And what we can see here is that 47% of Australians are unable to afford to fill their trolley with groceries. Suncorp Bank's cost of food report detailed Gen Z has struggled to meet surging grocery prices the most across all age demographics in the past 12 months, with Aussies spending between 100 and 500 on groceries each week. To help save, 50% of all millennials have sacrificed the luxury of dining out, while 40% have switched grocery brands in their shop. You've got 66% of Aussies spending between 100 and 500, 40% of all Australians have stopped dining out, 20% of Aussies will eat before going to a restaurant, while 25% will share food with another person. This is unheard of when you think about a couple of years ago, these problems weren't coming out, and there was a lot of talk about Avo on toast and how people were spending money on breakfast and things like that. Now, on the contrary, I went out last week and I saw a bunch of people at restaurants. It was packed. And that's where the harsh reality is, is that inflation as well as recessions do not affect people equally. Yes, you can have some people reduce their lifestyle, but not to the point where they're not going out anymore. They're not spending money on food. And you contrast that to people that may not have been in a good position leading into this are now forced to go, well, forget about food. I need to figure out shelter. I need to figure out where I'm going to live. And that's where the housing affordability crisis is massive. This is low income households renting before and after the pandemic. And it's broken down by each capital. If you look at just Australia, Australia as an average, income directed to rent from March quarter 2020 was 44.7%. Now in March quarter 2023, it's 51.6%, which is basically saying the portion of income you need to use towards your rent. And this hits the lower income earners the most because what you see is when there's times of volatility, people will go and reduce the amount of rent they have to pay. So if they go, well, I'm renting a three bedroom house, instead I could go and rent a three bedroom apartment or I could go into a two bedroom townhouse, they will go from paying 650 a week to about 400 per week, depending on where you live. But the same thing applies to even bigger families. So you go, I'm renting a five bedroom home and I'm in a suburb that I really like and I'm paying 900 bucks a week in rent. But if I go and move further out for the time being, I can reduce that by 200 bucks a week and that's an extra $10,000 a year that family could actually save. And the problem is that it pushes more demand into the affordable markets, pushing up the affordable markets because there's more demand. There are so many TikToks, there's so many articles out there showing how many people are waiting in line to just just go and rent a property. I had one of my own properties last week settle and before settlement, we actually had organized an inspection for the property because it was vacant and it was supposed to get rented out for 450. And within 24 hours, I had three applications, two at 450, one at 490. And that's the reality of where we're at right now. There is so much competition and that's not even an extreme case. We've had talks with some clients where they've had over 50 applications within the first week. And with rates higher, it actually causes a lot of people to cancel on their approvals for new homes. And if you don't have enough homes, 
homes, but you've got more people coming into the country and population increases, what do you think happens? Not only do property prices go up, but also rentals go up. And this is such a big concern that isn't going away anytime soon. To go out and build a new home, it doesn't just happen overnight. You need to get an approval, then you need to go and actually build the property. And both things are really delayed because there's backlogs. And so if you think about approvals today, actually coming into the market in say 18 months, that means the minimum time we can have a rental crisis or affordability concerns, it's probably gonna be about 18 to 24 months. Now, as a rent investor myself, I don't really like that. I don't wanna go out and have to pay more rent for my actual property where I live, but that's the reality of where we're at. Now, fortunately, if you've gone out there over the last couple of years and built up buffers, but also invested well, you're now building yourself a machine that allows you to go and compound your wealth and grow during times of uncertainty and when things are so bad. The rising cost of living is taking its toll on Australia's long-term goals and financial stability with a lack of savings, unexpected expenses, and living paycheck to paycheck, key barriers each 37%. 54% of respondents are worried they won't be able to retire comfortably. And this is what happens when you've got volatility in the economy. This is why I come out on the channel and say, look, saving money is great. But if you continue saving and you have high inflationary times, in Australia, we aim two to 3%, which means anything you save, you lose two to 3% automatically. Is if you just purely go, I'm just gonna keep saving my money because that's what I wanna do. When times are tough, that's what you're gonna do. But when times actually get fruitful and there are good conditions to invest, you're so attached to your money and you're like, I'm scared to actually spend it, you then get left behind because inflation outgrows any of your savings rates or any increases in your actual wage. So what happens when times like this come up where we face potentially a recession, where we have issues in the economy, we get left behind even further during those times. This is why millionaires and the really rich people prefer to have volatility in the economy. They can go and position themselves. It resets the market. They can go buy assets on the cheap and ride up the wave on the next cycle. They approach investing with logic. They don't approach it with emotions. They don't go and buy a home they can't afford and then find themselves really struggling. They go out there, build up their portfolio, build up their asset bases. Then they come in and do the emotional purchases, but it allows them to purchase those emotional things because they've made logical decisions with their property purchases and investments. So I hope you guys have enjoyed this video. I don't really have a lot of fun making these types of videos, but I think it's very important that if these videos can prompt you to start thinking bigger than just saving money, then I've done my job. It really does satisfy me and fulfill me when I see an email from you saying, hey, I actually did this, or I see comments in the comment section saying, yes, thank you so much, because now I can go and do X, Y, and Z. Over the last couple of years on this channel, I've seen people grow their portfolios of property from not wanting to even own property to now having three or four properties. I've also seen some people pay off all of their debts as a result of this channel. So thank you so much for watching and I'll catch you guys in the next one. Thanks guys.